Good morning. After this, the Lord appointed 72 others and sent them on ahead of him, two by two, into every town and place where he himself was about to go. He said to them, The harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. Therefore, ask the Lord of the harvest to send out workers into his harvest. Then the 72 returned with joy, saying, Lord, even the demons submit to us in your name. So he said to them, I saw Satan fall like lightning from the heaven. Look, I have given you authority to tread on snakes and scorpions and on the full force of the enemy, and nothing will hurt you. Do not rejoice that the spirits submit to you, but rejoice that your names stand written in heaven. The word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Spider-Man movie yet? You need you need to know if you haven't seen the movie yet that there will be there will be some spoilers in this sermon. And so if you need to go, if you want to leave, we've already taken the offering. It's fine. You can you can you can head out to your car. You can listen to the message on the podcast later on after you've seen the movie. If you really don't want to know, there will be some light spoilers this morning. We won't give everything away. But then again, with this movie, I'm not sure I possibly could give everything away, right? So so a few weeks ago, I heard an interview with uh, with. Stan Lee. Now, Stan Lee, of course, is the creator of Spider-Man. He's also the creator of, of several of the most iconic and enduring comic book characters. Stan Lee helped to create the Black Panther. He created Iron Man and, and the Incredible Hulk. He's responsible for the Fantastic Four and the X-Men. Stan Lee is, is considered to be the, the most successful author in the history of comic book superheroes. And in this interview I heard a few weeks ago, the the reporter asked Stan Lee this question. She said, what is the secret to your success? Why are your superheroes so popular? What makes a superhero a a Stan Lee superhero? And Stan Lee, in answer to that question, he, he said something like this. He said, here's what you need to understand. He said, when I first got into comic books, every comic book superhero was, was basically the same. They were all a bunch of generic Superman knockoffs. They were all a bunch of, of six-foot-four Boy Scouts with square jaws and, and straight teeth. He said they were all handsome and they were all strong and they were all noble. And I thought, he said, I thought that they were all insufferably dull. He said they didn't, they didn't seem like anybody I knew. They didn't talk like anybody I had ever met. They didn't behave like anybody behaves in the, in the real world. And he said, for me, the breakthrough came the moment I asked myself this question. What, what, if, what if real people could be superheroes? And what if superheroes could be real people? 
What if instead of giving superpowers to a six foot four Boy Scout, what if instead you were to give superpowers to a, a skinny teenager who is good at science but bad at talking to girls? And what if, what if instead of always making the right decision and always saving the city, what if we got to watch that superhero make mistakes and mess up and learn how to use those superpowers responsibly? And what if instead of always talking like a, a cardboard cutout of a Shakespearean actor, what if instead of always saying things like, Hark, I must save the city from this villainous monster, what if, what if instead the superhero got to talk like a, a real person? What if he was funny and and made wisecracks the way a real teenager would. He said, I asked myself, what if real people could be heroes? And what if heroes could be real people? And that was the origin of Spider-Man. That was the origin of of Peter Parker, this 16-year-old science nerd who gets bit by a radioactive spider and and suddenly discovers that he can climb climb on walls. And and Stanley Stanley had this incredible inspiration that, that super Superheroes can come in every shape and color and size. This was the genius of Stan Lee. He understood, he understood that anyone can wear the mask. And this insight, this, this stroke of genius, it didn't just revolutionize the comic book industry. It inspired people. It spoke to people. This message that anyone can be a hero, it even changed people's lives, which is why when Stan Lee passed away back in November at the age of of 95, people all around the world mourned his passing. People felt like they had lost someone who inspired them. They had lost someone who had spoken deeply to their souls. And this movie, this week's movie, Spider-Man Into the Spider-Verse, it picks up right where Stan Lee left off. Now, here's the part of the sermon where I have to give you a warning. Of all of the movies that we have ever watched as part of our Faith at the Movies uh, worship series, this one has the most difficult-to-explain plot that you could possibly imagine. All week long, I've been trying to figure out, I've been racking my brain trying to figure out if there is a way that I can describe the plot of this movie to you without also teaching you quantum physics. And, and the thing is, I wasn't able to do it. I don't think it can be done. And so here's the warning I'm going to give you. This sermon is about to have some science content, just a little bit of, of light science content. So everybody buckle up. Here we go. Back in the 1950s, the, the renowned physicist Erwin Schrodinger got up at a, a conference of scientists, and he made, he made this startling announcement. Erwin Schrodinger stood up in front of all of these scientists, and he said, you're going to think I'm crazy. You're going to think I've lost my mind, he said. But I've been doing math. I've been running equations and experiments, and he said, the, the math that I've been doing, the equations that I've been running have led me to a, a startling conclusion. He said, my equations lead me to believe that this universe, the reality that you and I experience, the universe that you and I are living in, may not be the only universe there is. In fact, he said, my math is telling me that this universe, the reality that you and I live in, may just be one of an infinite number of universes, each with their own history, each with its own rules of space and time and physics, each one impenetrable to the other, all of them running parallel to one another. And so, for example, according to this theory, there may be another universe, an alternate universe that is exactly like the world that you and I live in, except in that universe, I never decided to grow a beard. 
There may be a universe in which I am standing up in front of you here at Court Street Church on Sunday preaching this sermon completely clean-shaven. We would call that the sad verse, right? That would be a very depressing universe, and, and nobody would want to live there, right? Or it may, be, it may be that there is a universe where instead of preaching the sermon this morning, I'm directing the choir, and David Lindsay is standing here in front of you talking about, about Spider-Man. It may be that there is an, an alternate universe in which the sign in front of the church says Court Street Presbyterian Church, and, and across the street from us, there's another church that's called the, the First Methodist Church of Flint, right? The, the idea is called the, the multiverse, that there are an infinite number of universes, each with its own history, each with its own rules of, of time and space, and this sounds crazy. It sounds like a, an incredibly insane idea, but this idea, the, the idea of the multiverse, it has some heavy-duty scientific backers, right? Stephen Hawking was a, a believer in the multiverse. Neil deGrasse Tyson believes in the theory of the multiverse, and the villain in this week's movie, he also believes in the multiverse, so because this is a superhero movie, there has to be a supervillain. And, and at the beginning of this week's movie, we discover that there is an evil villain and he has an evil plan. He has constructed a machine and this machine is designed to tear a hole in reality. This, this evil villain is trying to find a way to cross from one universe into another, to find a way from, from one reality into these alternate realities. But this machine, it also puts the entire universe in danger. This machine has the potential to to destroy this universe. And Spider-Man discovers the evil plan. Peter Parker discovers that this machine is about to be turned on. And so he tries to stop the supervillain from turning on the machine. But Spider-Man fails in a, a stunning twist just a few minutes into the movie. Here's your major spoiler. Peter Parker, Spider-Man, is killed. He's murdered by the evil villain. And suddenly we're left wondering who now can possibly save the universe? Who will step up and, and keep this evil villain from turning on the machine? again and destroying, destroying all of existence. And, and it's at this point in the movie when we discover that something remarkable has happened. Something has come through the hole that this machine has punched in reality. Someone has come from another universe into this universe. Half a dozen Spider-Men have been drawn from their universes into this universe. It turns out every universe has a Spider-Man, but not all Spider-Men are men. And so as the movie progresses, we get to meet this, this ragtag collection of half a dozen spider people of various shapes and colors and, and sizes. So one of the Spider-Men who gets pulled into this universe is, is Peter Parker, but a very different Peter Parker than the Peter Parker we're familiar with in, in our universe. This Peter Parker is, is a middle-aged man. He's developing love handles and a little bit of a belly. He's experiencing depression because his marriage has fallen apart. And then there's another spider person who's a teenage girl named Gwen. She comes from a universe where instead of biting Peter Parker, the radioactive spider bit his, his friend Gwen. And so she became the superhero. She got the, the superpowers. There's a Spider-Man from a universe where it's still the 1930s and Spider-Man spends his time fighting Nazis. There's, there's a spider person who is a little girl named Penny who has a psychic connection to a radioactive spider that lives inside of a giant robot. There's a Spider-Man who's actually a pig who comes from a universe where cartoons are real and animals are, are able to talk. And then finally, finally, there's one more Spider-Man. The Spider-Man at the, the heart of this movie. The Spider-Man who turns out to be the hero of this movie. A young man named Miles Morales. 
Now, Miles Morales is a, an Afro-Latino 16-year-old who, who lives in Brooklyn, and he's an ordinary 16-year-old. He, he likes listening to music. He likes spending time with his friends. He's smart, but he doesn't look forward to going to school. And, and early on in the movie, Miles Morales gets bit by a radioactive spider. And so Miles Morales is a brand-new Spider-Man. He's only just acquired his powers. And so, so throughout the course of the movie, this ragtag bunch of spider people from other universes try to teach him how to be Spider-Man. They teach him how to use the new powers that he's, he's only just gained. And the best moments in this movie, the most joyful, the most fun moments of this movie are those moments when Miles Morales suddenly gets the hang of being Spider-Man. The best moments of this movie are those moments when, when Miles Morales suddenly goes, I can, I can do this. I can shoot webs. I can swing from buildings. I, I can be a hero too. And the excitement that we hear in his voice in those moments, the joy that we see in Miles Morales in those moments, that's the same excitement and the same joy that we see in this morning's scripture reading. So in this morning's gospel reading, we pick up the story of Jesus and his disciples right right in the middle. At this point in the story, Jesus has been traveling around doing his thing for months now. Jesus has been going from, from town to town. He's been going from village to village. And everywhere Jesus goes, he talks to people about the power of God's love. And everywhere Jesus goes, he casts out demons and drives back the powers of darkness. Everywhere Jesus goes, he he lays hands on people and he heals people. And everywhere he goes, Jesus gathers new followers. Usually when, when we talk about the followers of Jesus, when we talk about the disciples of Jesus, usually we're talking about those, those 12 beardy guys who you see in stained glass windows all, all around the sanctuary here. Sometimes we forget that the Bible tells us those 12 guys with beards, those, those weren't Jesus' only followers. They weren't his only disciples. The Bible tells us that Jesus had dozens and dozens of disciples. The disciples of Jesus came in every shape and color and size. Among the disciples of Jesus, there were men and there were women. There were fishers and and there were tax collectors. There were businesswomen and there were widows. There were all of these different kinds of people following Jesus from place to place. And they listened to the things he said. And they watched the things that he did. And then suddenly one morning, Jesus looks out over this this ragtag group of people of every shape and color and size. Jesus looks out over his disciples and he says, okay. He says, you're ready. Today is going to be different, Jesus says. Today, you're not going to follow me around. You're not going to watch me do the things. Today, you are going to do the things. I am sending you out in the world. I want you to go down every road you can find. Go to every village. Go to every city. I want you to go out into the world and do the things that you have seen me doing. And so Jesus sends the disciples out. He sends them out in in 36 pairs, two by two. Why does Jesus send them two by two? Because it can be lonely being a superhero. and, And everything is better when you've got a good sidekick. And so they go out into the world and Jesus waits. He waits and he waits and he rests and he waits all day long. And then finally, at the end of the day, as the sun is going down, Jesus sees some figures coming towards him in the the distance. The disciples begin to return to Jesus. They went out two by two and they come back two by two. And at this point in the day, the disciples ought to be exhausted. 
At this point in the day, they should be drained. They should be dragging themselves back to Jesus after all of the walking and all of the work and the ministry that they've been doing all day long. But the disciples are not exhausted. They're not dragging themselves back to Jesus. They've got, they've got a bounce in their bustle. They've got a spring in their step. They practically run back to Jesus because they can't wait to tell Jesus about all of the adventures that they've been having. Jesus, you won't believe it. We have had the most amazing day. We cast out demons and the demons fled. We laid hands on people and people were healed. We talked about the power of God's love and people fell to their knees and received God's Holy Spirit. Jesus, it turns out we can do the things that we have seen you doing. It turns out that we have got the same power that you have got. And the excitement that we hear in that reunion at the end of the day, the the joy that we hear in the voices of the disciples is the same excitement, the same joy that we hear in this movie when Miles Morales suddenly, suddenly discovers that you don't need to be a six foot four boy scout in order to be a superhero. You don't need to be Superman in order to have superpowers. Heroes, heroes come in every shape and color and size. A hero can be a 16 year old Afro Latino boy from from Brooklyn and a hero, a hero can be a middle aged man who's got love handles and a little bit of a belly. Somebody say praise Jesus. A hero, a hero can be someone who, who experiences depression. A hero can be a a teenage girl who's good at science. A hero can make mistakes. A hero can mess up and get it wrong. And still the power of God's love can flow through us into this world. There is nothing we can do to cut off the power of God's love flowing through us into this world. Or as Stan Lee puts it, anyone can wear the mask. Any person Any person who helps others simply because it should or must be done and because it is the right thing to do, that person, indeed, without a doubt, is a hero. Let's pray. God, we pray. God, we pray that at some point in the days to come, maybe at some point even today, we would suddenly discover that we have got power too. God, help us to see that a hero can look, can look like a man or a woman. A hero can be tall or short. A hero can be old or young. A hero can look like a person carrying a load of toilet paper into a church on Sunday morning. God, help us to see. Help us to see that whenever we reach beyond ourselves to help others, your power flows through us and into this world. These things we pray in Jesus. Amen.